Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hello once again and welcome to another segment of We Chat, Women's Empowerment Chat. I'm your host, C. Maria Wall, a.k.a. the mediator, the Shiro at your ground zero. I'm also known as the visionary and the realist. And today, as always, before we get started, we're going to start with a piece out of a book that someone gave me a few years ago. It's called Jesus Calling, Enjoying Peace in His Presence by Sarah Young. And how befitting today that I turn to February the 27th. And this is what was written in the book for today. Keep your eyes on me. Waves of adversity are washing over you and you feel tempted to give up. As your circumstances consume more and more of your attention, you are losing sight of me. Yet I am with you always, holding you by your right hand. I am fully aware of your situation, and I will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. Your gravest danger is worrying about tomorrow. If you try to carry tomorrow's burdens today, you will stagger under the load and eventually fall flat. You must discipline yourself to live with the boundary, within the boundaries of today. It is in the present moment that I walk close to you, helping you carry your burdens. Keep your focus on my presence in the present. And before we get started today, I want to, as always, give out a shout out to Deacon Thomas Farr for allowing me to do another segment here on the Gathering Place Network with him. And a special shout out today because I, my special guest today is Lee Longo, and we're going to be talking about her journey and faith and how this particular passage means so much for our conversation today. It's amazing. And when I saw this, and I just pulled it out when I was coming into the studio. So for today, this means everything to us because it's going to tie into our program today perfectly. Both uh, this, our We Chat segment, and when we segue into the focus segment for the females offering clarity, unity, and success when the other ripples will be joining us as well. But right now, we're going to speak about Lee's journey. But before we get into that, I forgot. I'm going to give out a shout out to, as I said, Deacon Thomas Farr, thanking him for allowing me to make my dreams a reality and giving me this platform to present the Women's Empowerment Chat programs to you. And a special shout out because I noticed that Lee and Deacon Farr and myself, we have ties to the Helping Up Mission. So we, I want to say hello and let the gentlemen of the Helping Up Mission know how proud I am of all of them. And I pray each and every one of them enough to continue on their journey 
towards their destinies and healing. So shout out to the Helping Up Mission today. So Lee, oh my goodness. Uh, let me tell you all a little bit about <laughs> how Lee and I met. I was at another function and I saw this lady and she had like a notepad like this and she was taking notes and she had on her sunglasses and she was walking slowly <laughs> looking at all of the different um, organizations who were represented there. And um, she had the stern look very serious and I said, hmm, I wonder who she is. Is she media? Is she a journalist? Who is she? And she kept walking back and forth and I saw her a couple times. and. Um, Near the end of the program, I was talking to another, an elderly lady who was telling me the rest of her story. She had come by several times as well. And, uh, <laughs> and finally, uh, after she left, Lee walked over and she said, I was waiting for her to leave because I really wanted to sit down and talk to you. And she sat down on the grass <laughs> and we started talking and the rest is history. We spoke about each other's journeys. We saw how many things we had in common. And that's what brings us here today. I love that God awesome divine timing because it always works the way that God intends it to. So here we are today with Lee Longo and I thank you so much for being here and I'm so excited. I am too, a little <laughs> nervous but excited. <laughs> but um, yes, that was a God, God moment definitely for me because um, I was looking for vendors for my church at that time, and it, we, uh, we do what we call Super Saturday, and I was having a resource center, and I was looking for vendors to um, present to the families as they came in for to pick up yeah. book bags and st uh, for school. So, um, yeah, I saw Maria, and I saw her banner, and I thought, ooh, that really looks interesting. So um, I waited and waited <laughs> and waited and waited. And then finally, um, I had an opportunity to go over. And normally, I don't, wouldn't normally do this. You know, so it was definitely God that pushed me there mm -hmm. and made me patient to wait because I had no intention of staying long. <laughs> uh, no, I laugh to myself now because God always has an, his own plan, even though I may have mine. So it, it's been a... Uh, a wonderful time for me to meet Maria and uh, have a very special bond in my heart for her. Oh, thank you. And, and the same goes for me towards you, Lee. And um, what I'd like to share today, because this is, this is something that uh, I believe that the viewers really do need to hear mm -hmm. about. Um, so if you'd like to just go ahead, I'm going to turn it over to you and you can share okay. your story because your story is powerful. And I, that's one of the things that really um, helped us to connect even more were the similarities in our stories. And, and today I just want you all to take this journey with Lee and I as we uh, walk together and we go from your journey from tragedy to triumph and how you turned all your pains into your purpose because it's wonderful now because I know that you are you can see it in your face that now you're walking in your purpose mm -hmm. so you am. know <laughs> share share that journey with us well um I didn't turn anything into this you know God did this for me right you know, um so I can't take any credit for that but um, maybe the only credit I will take is for obeying and right I didn't always obey gracefully and mm -hmm. still don't occasionally because I tend to argue with him a little bit because I still have insecurities and think that he can't possibly want me to do that. You know, right. so, and I'll always say, are you sure? <laughs> you know, so, and I wait for the door to close, but it never does. So um, 
Where do I begin? I guess a brief synopsis would be, you know, I grew up uh, in a home environment that wasn't very um, healthy. Right. Um, I did never knew my real father. I, my mother um, had remarried, and so I grew up with her and my stepfather. But uh, I didn't realize it then, but I do realize it now, that I grew up in an alcoholic home, you mm-hmm. know, because... Um, my weekends were actually spent in bars because we would take a Sunday drive and we'd always end up in a bar. You know, granted they serve food, but you know, it was always at a bar. So that's technically where I grew up. You know, I was, they never, never, do not have any uh, memories of them taking me to any child functions like the park or anything like that. You know, so. Um, so I was also uh, abused as a child by my mother's father. And when I, I was about, I think I was about six or seven when it happened. And when I presented that to my mother, um, her first thought said, well, not her first thought, but her first words were, well, you know, you should never have sat on his lap. So I uh, never forgot that, actually. That's part of it that stays with you forever. And I think that you know, because of all the fighting that went on between my parents, and it was abusive fighting, physical violence in the house. And I would always end up running out and calling the police. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was, I was very um, shy, sensitive, introverted, still am. Um, and uh, I grew up with books and music and animals. They were my outlet and writing. Right. So um, God gave me that gift at a very early age. Um, And I was an avid reader, so my reading skills were way above my my grade level. And I started young reading a lot about psychology and fell in love with that aspect of it because it helped. I believe, truly believe it helped me through a lot of situations. But, you know, you grow up and you go through your teen years and you make a lot of mistakes. And unfortunately, um, sometimes sexual abuse will lead to... Uh, promiscuity, which mm-hmm. it did with me. Um, I married at an early age, and I can tell you, I married to get out of the house. Right. And, you know, but I, person that I chose, unfortunately, was um, an adult child of alcoholic parents, particularly his mother. So um, we both brought a lot of um, baggage into a, a marriage at a young age, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it just uh, wasn't healthy either. Right. But um, I had two children by him, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, he was a good person. It's just that there was always a part of me that wanted to be that woman who could bring home the bacon and do it all. Right, you right. That's um, the era you grow up in, and you think, well, you know, you can have a career. You don't have to be a, a, a nurse or a secretary or whatever. Right. You know, um, you can break that glass yes, ceiling. Yes, you can. And But there was always the other part of me that was so insecure that I could never vision myself that way. So, um, And I never thought I was smart enough because I was always put down right. as a kid. You know, I never did anything right. So, you know, you just learn to survive, I think, is the word in that area. Yeah. I, you know, you called it survival. And I, at that time, you know, you could never be good enough, but then for me, I could never be as good as my brother. Mm. You know, it was always, he was perfect and I was near never perfect. There was always something wrong. So back then, I didn't even know the concept of survival as much as it was. 
I, be, I was invisible anyway, so I was just existing right. from day to day. I was just existing, and if I made it to another day, I, I, you know, even before I knew what a zombie was, mm -hmm. I was living a zombie's life. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I learned how to stay in my room and stay in my yes. corner and live in the shadows, and that's where I was most comfortable, and I had... I didn't even know at the time, but I had a brain. And like you said, you know, there was no, for me, there was no encouragement. Right. There was nothing. Right. There was a lot of things that as a child, I couldn't even perceive. I didn't know how to articulate or even, yeah. you know, conceptualize what was going on or why it was happening. Mm -hmm. I just knew that it was best for me to stay invisible in the corner and come out every now and then. If I'm told to eat, I will eat. If I'm told not to, I won't. You know, you just stay in your own corner. Right. And even when I wasn't doing things, I was being accused of things. And it was just an odd thing. It, even children know. Oh. They can feel. It's something within us internally. Mm -hmm. We can feel when things are not right. Mm -hmm. But I just existed, mm -hmm. you know, from day to day. I think I existed in fear most of the time because I never knew when um, the bomb was going to drop in the house, you know, as far as the fighting went. And if we did go out and they drank, you know, my mother was a type of person, unfortunately, who could yell from the time she woke up in the morning, and this was all aimed at my stepfather, and would continue throughout the day mm -hmm. until night, until he would get to a point where he would beat her, mm -hmm. you know, and that's... That's what caused the fights most of the right. time, you know. And, um, you know, looking back on it, and I thought, how sad, you know. I, I truly, the more I dove into psychology, the more I truly believed that she was abused as a child. And um, probably by her father, who had abused me, but would never admit to that. Um, right. When I was in my 20s, I, I had um, tried to talk to her about her past, you know. And um, I tried to... I gently brought that situation up right. and she said well you know she got very defensive and she said my father loved me and well that's the first thing that an abused child says right so right. you know I knew then and I knew that you know for her there was no gross period you know there was nothing that would ever change her right. and unfortunately you know she was a very um, mean person you know had a lot of um, <clears throat> Uh, resentments inside yes, of her, yes. and uh, you know, I just, I just never felt that I could ever live up to whatever she expected right. of me, you know. And she would always throw in my face how she took care of her, her ailing mother until she died, and I think she expected the same from me, you know. But I didn't have that. Um, there was a time when I was extremely codependent on her, you know. I hated to be away from her because I was afraid for her life, you know. But um, as I, you know, grew up and got married and that bond was broken, mm -hmm. you know, which I know must have been extremely difficult for her, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it was for me for a while, too, yeah. but it had to be done. Right. You know, and that, that's it. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was just speaking this morning on my one of my programs, and my, my topic was excuses, excuses, mm. and how some people... 
are living in that Job 3811 life where they have stayed their own, you know, waves and they have they have taken the wind out of their own sails because they're holding on to things that they need to let go of. Mm -hmm. And I always speak to people about the fact that sometimes we need to let go of the people who we've known our entire lives. Mm -hmm. The people who we would love with all our hearts, but for whatever reason, something was a disconnect there. Right. And unfortunately, sometimes, and God lets us know that it's time for us to move. And we can't move if we're holding on to all of the anchors who are holding us down. Very true. So when, um, and like you said, I, I can relate to that. And that's the beauty of, of this relationship, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the fact when you find someone who has walked that journey and has come through the same fires or like fires, it's so much easier because those people understand. And sometimes you have to know, find people and, and tell your story because our stories become our ministries. So when Lee and I were talking, it was like, oh my gosh, I just wanted to hug her and burst into tears because like, I know what you're saying. I understand all of this. Mm -hmm. And that's where, if you notice, we almost have the same even hairstyle today and we're all in blue. <laughs> so that's right. <laughs> this is what happens when you meet kindred spirits and like that. <laughs> so again, um, you know, coming, coming forward, because uh, when you you're in the marriage now, and once again, the cycle is continuing. Right. So right. at so. that point. And I knew I was reaching a point of having to get out of that marriage because I was, um, he was very, um, I hate to use the word, self-centered to the point where when I uh, was giving birth to my, was in the hospital, you know, giving going to give birth to our daughter, our, uh, you know, he had, that night had planned on going um, fishing. So he always would get up like four o'clock in the morning and go to drive to North Jersey and to, uh, you know, go fly fishing. Well, you know, I kind of put a bet in that plans because I woke up at midnight and I'm, you know, having these pains and thinking, am I in labor or not? <laughs> you know, and right. I'm timing them and right. they're getting, you know, very close together. I finally called my doctor and he said, you have to go to the hospital. So we got there at 3.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, when I was in the hospital, he went and played baseball. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, I was kind of the, the downward side of the marriage, but I never really viewed it as that then, you know. Um, mm -hmm. It's just looking back on it. And then 14 and a half months later, I had a son and uh, named Tony. And um, we were just, uh, my husband and I just weren't getting along. And, you know, I just um, knew I had to leave. I was doubling over in pain, actually. My, like I would get a knot in my right. stomach, right. you know, and knew I had to get out of the relationship. Right. So uh, I did. I left. And um, it wasn't pretty. It was, you know, not a good divorce. or never, They never are. But um, he never was the type of father that would initiate the contact. His contact was wanting to hurt me. Right. You know, um, one time he took the kids for a visit and then he came back and said he wasn't giving them back. They're in the car crying, you know, and it was, it was just thing or things like that. So, um, eventually I did meet someone else. He was older than I was, but, um, there was a, a good connection there, but I didn't jump into anything with him. He didn't not meet my children for about a year. I, right. would, I would not allow him to meet them. And finally he said, um, can I meet them now? <laughs> you know, and they would peek out the window and we'd go out. But um, 
So I did. I allowed allowed him to come into our lives, and uh, it was not a mistake. It was a good good thing. He treated my my kids like his own. Uh, he was a good man. Um, we ended up moving to Maryland, and um, we, were, we were married, and we ended up moving to Maryland and um, made this our home. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> they would see their biological father, um, but I was the one arranging that. So we would drive to New Delaware, and their father, Pete, would drive and meet us halfway. Mm-hmm. And that was the extent of their relationship. Right. You know. So I know that um, divorce isn't good for kids. They always are missing or feeling uh, abandoned. Right. You know, um, by not knowing my real father. Right. You know, I think there's a sense of abandonment in me. Right. You know, and not really ever having a true relationship with my stepfather. It was, right. you know, not one that I can remember wanting to go to him and telling him anything. Right. You know, nothing like that. So um, we moved here, and we had our, um, we had a good marriage. I mean, not that we didn't have problems at times, because right. I'd be lying if it was all hopo rosy. It never is, right. you know, no matter how much you love each other. But we did. You know, I, he helped me a lot, actually, to um, have a lot more confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. And um, he was always encouraging me to um, take on any project that I wanted to take on, you know, and he just really um, had that ability, not just with me, but he had that ability in his own job to, to see something in people and to develop it. Right. So I was very grateful to have him in my life. We were married 19 years. Um, through those 19 years, we went through a lot of um, health problems with him uh, and addiction problems with my son. Right. And... Um, that we had my son in and out of rehabs, and at one point he went to New Jersey to live with his father, and that was the downfall for him because I think he went there hoping to establish a relationship, but Pete was never around for him. You know, right. he was always out at a bar, you know, and doing his own thing. Right. So he was left to his own devices, which got him in trouble, and he ended up in um, prison down in uh, in New Jersey, and it took me one year to get him out. Right. And I did. And uh, that was by the grace of God and saying a novena. I was Catholic at the time and saying a novena to the Holy Spirit for months. Mm-hmm. And right. I, the miracle out of when that happened was the fact that when he came home, uh, he, you know, was trying to get his life together. And um, I received a phone call from the prosecutor's office in New Jersey saying that all charges against him were dropped and erased from his record. <laughs> wow. So, and they said that was something that never should have happened. He had stolen from his father, and the prosecutor convinced my ex-husband that he would get the help that he needed in jail, mm. <laughs> which was a lie. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> and he was, the prosecutor was angry because I was talking to my ex-husband and encouraged him right. to try not to do that because yeah. he's not going to get the help that he needs. Right. So, anyway, um... That, that part of my life, um, you know, was mostly about my son. Right. Um, I didn't really have much of a problem with my daughter, but she saw the problems that I was having with my son. So I know that affected her, too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, he's getting the attention she isn't, you know. Right. So, um, and that's normal. I think it causes some jealousy issues. But, you know, when you have a child or anybody in your life who requires that attention, right. you know, you're trying everything you can do to help them or save them. 
Right. Not making excuses for it, but you know that is what happens. It's it's a human nature factor. Right. So, um, uh, long story short, um, in 2000, um, my son um, and was going to get married. He was engaged, and they my, the girl was pregnant, and she had uh, they had a baby in September of 2000 named Skylar, and. Um, you know, he seemed um, very happy, and he loved the baby. I mean, he was always the one changing her, feeding right. her, or any everything like that. But he was still struggling with addiction. And uh, he came over to our house. <coughs> uh, on, it was after Thanksgiving, and you know, he went downstairs and was talking to um, my husband, and he actually thanked my husband for everything he stood for him. And, uh, you know, he hugged me, and I s he was sitting on the couch, and I'll never forget it because uh, we were talking, and um, we are talking about, you know, the drug issue. His mm -hmm. um, choice of drugs was crack cocaine. And he said, you don't, you don't understand, nobody understands. And then it hit me like a slap in the face, and I thought, my goodness, he's in love with the drug. That's, that's what he loves. Mm -hmm. He loves what it does for him. He doesn't feel any pain, right. you know, or anything. Right. And he doesn't know how to, to get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, drugs change the person when they're doing them, but they can't change the core of the person. Right. You know, and he, the core of him was a good one. You know, because when he was sober, he was who he was. Mm -hmm. You know, he was sensitive. He was giving. He was... Um, he was just everything you know, right. that you should be, and uh, loving, and um, the drugs wouldn't do that to him. So he had a battle inside of himself that you know no one could take away but God. Right. And uh, I, he never felt worthy enough because of things that he had done. So in <clears throat> November 24th of 2000, he took his own life. And yeah. uh, I had always known it was going to happen. But I never thought that he would take his own life. I just thought it would be an overdose. Mm -hmm. I never thought that he would do that, and he did that by hanging himself. So um, when I got the call from uh, his uh, girlfriend, you know, we rushed over there, and my daughter, unfortunately, was living next door to them, and she heard him drilling in the... Uh, I guess hook in the wall, but she didn't know what was happening. Oh wow! She heard it all, and she heard the thump. Oh wow! So she heard everything. So that I know really um, if devastated I, her. You know, hanging is one of those things where uh, I always say, you know, it takes us a real devious person if they're going to attack someone with a knife and stab them opposed to a gun. A gun's a, you point them, you sure. click, boom. And then if you're gonna do it with a knife, that's one thing, and when you're taking your own life, and he thought it was, he was on a mission. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to hear that story, mm -hmm. no matter how many times you, you tell it, even for me, that hurts because this is, a, this is an issue people that 
these two segments are going to be about the, the, the issue of suicide. I mean, how many people have we seen in the last um, year or so who've committed suicide? You had um, Robin Williams did it, not, you know, a while ago, but that was devastating to a lot of people because it, it's amazing the mask that we wear mm -hmm. every day. And I guess for me, when you were telling the story early and he was thanking him and hugging you, I think that in hindsight, do you think that yes, that was him? That, that was, was him saying his goodbye. Yes, it was. Um, mm -hmm. And, and f people, this is what we need you to understand is that in hindsight, a lot of us noticed things that were different. So we have to live with our eyes wide open, not wide shut. You have to see what's going on. Know what your children are doing. Are their patterns changing? Are their grades changing? Are their, you know, eating habits changing? Are they very appreciative like they're saying goodbye? Or giving things away is another thing. Yeah, yes. or giving yes. things away. Are they giving away things? Is everything, listen, I want you to, to take this. I want you to have this and the, any of that. We need to be more vigilant and more aware of what's happening around us because this is a topic that today is all about bringing this to the forefront of your mind so that you can start to look at the symptoms, look at the signs. Sometimes there may not be any ready symptoms, but there's certainly signs. And some people, I can tell when people are wearing a mask. I can tell when they, <laughs> when it's not funny. And there are days when I have to do it. I grew up wearing millions of masks. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I've learned how to take them off one by one. But, you know, now it's just not, um, it's just not something that I choose to do. Because I always tell people that I had the choice to live or die. And I chose to live. And I didn't choose to live just because I wanted to, because I didn't. I chose to live to prove all of those people who hurt me because I knew that my living would make them just as miserable as they made me. And when I became successful, I knew that that would make them even more miserable. Mm. So that was my way of looking at life at the time. I don't look at it that way now, but depression and, and addictions and all of that. It's something that what we're going to do, we're going to continue this on our next segment when we bring in the, the ripples of focus. And um, but this is a two part series. So we're going to show this part now. But Lee, before we go, tell us about um, we're going to segue a little bit into your faith and how you found ALC, because that's where she had invited me to come for her event, and I've been in love with ALC uh, ever since then, and I'm like an unofficial, not really a member who acts like a member <laughs> kind of person. <laughs> oh, um, oh gosh, tell us a little bit about that and what you all have on tap, because we have about four minutes left in this segment, so. Okay, um, let me see. I came to uh, ALC in 2013 after my own attempt on my life. And, um, suffering from depression, right. a series of losses since 2000. My uh, husband passed away in 2002. Right. There was my best friend who died from lung cancer. Another one moved away. It was just a continual process year after year after year. And um, my, I lost my home. I lost my um, belongings. I lost my car. I, my finances were in a mess, and I um, lost hope. Right. And... I had planned to take my own life 
So, um, but I didn't want, I don't like blood, so it wasn't, you know, anything that was going to do that way. <laughs> so um, I, I took an overdose of a mixture of pills mm-hmm. that I had uh, saved for over a year. So I'm not mm-hmm. proud of that, um, but uh, my walk that night, God did try to prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. You know, he put blocks in my way, but I was always, we have free will, and he won't interfere with that. So I chose to do it anyway and that journey that night I was talking to him all the way and apologizing but I didn't know any any other way I felt that the uh, tunnel only had a train coming at me and you know I was praying but I wasn't getting anywhere so um, when I woke up in the hospital um, I realized that I failed I figured well he didn't want me right he didn't want me either so Um, but I was wrong because my, I had a shift in my thinking at that time, a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up, uh, I was different. Right. And my journey has been with Christ since then. I came to ALC actually um, to join, to, to see about a group. There was no support groups for depression. Right. Um, so I went to ALC. I had heard about Celebrate Recovery. Right. Which is a um, support group for people who are hurting from hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Right. So it's a 12-step Christ-centered program right. that was created by John Baker and Rick Warren at, from Saddleback Church yeah. 25 years ago. So. And uh, I tell you what, we're going to end this segment mm-hmm. here. If you'd like to know more about Lee or me or any of those programs, several ways. I'll have up her information on my website, cmariawalt.com. If you'd like to reach out to myself or Lee, you can reach out through our main number, 202-618-2556. So right now, as I said, this is a two-part series. We're going to uh, bring back Lee for the next segment, and um, we'll bring back the Ripples of Focus for our Females Offering Clarity, Unity, and Success show. So we're going to finish talking about Lee and her journey from despair and loss of hope and how ALC of the Abundant Life Church help to change her outlook on life as much as it has changed mine. So we're going to finish that in a few moments. So as always, pray each and every one of you enough. I pray you enough sunshine to brighten your rainy days. I pray you enough rain to make your gardens grow beautifully. And we pray you enough smiles to turn the frown you've been carrying around upside down. But most of all, I pray you enough strength and courage to face whatever may be coming your way from this point and beyond. So until next time, I hope you'll all come back for part two of this series as we tackle suicide and coming from the brink of giving up to an abundance of hope. I'm C. Maria Wall and my special guest is Lee Longo, my sister in the spirit, my friend, and we are walking this journey together. So until next time, be well, be blessed, and I slash we will see you soon. Have a wonderful, God-awesome day. Want internet that works whenever you need it? Xfinity Internet delivers reliably fast speeds, even during peak hours when everyone is online at the same time. Call 1-800-XFINITY or click today for a great offer. Restrictions apply.